Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. I want to get into the book of Ezekiel today. Uh, there's an interesting story that has been on my heart. I told my wife uh, yesterday evening, I said, I've sat on this and stewed and simmered with this thought for five, six weeks and tried to pull it out and push it back. No, that's try to pull it out, push it back, and no, not this week. And and last night, the Lord just kind of opened opened some thoughts up, planted some seeds there, and uh, I feel like today is the day that uh, this word is to go forth. Teach this adult class today from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verse, <coughs> verse 1. If you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, just six uh, six verses here in chapter 37. I want you to just kind of let your mind just free it up here as we read these six verses and think about maybe how you would feel if you were Ezekiel in this situation that the Lord had placed him in here. This is what he writes. He said, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. It was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. That does not sound like a place that I would want the Lord to take me. Lord, take me up to the third heaven like John. Show me, show me the heavens. Show me your majesty. Show me your glory. But I got a feeling that the Lord would look at me a little bit more like Ezekiel and say, hey, I, I want you to come over here and take a look at this valley of dry bones. <laughs> There's a purpose for every mountaintop and every valley that God will ever take you to. Takes Ezekiel to this valley of dry bones. It's just not a few bones that are there. He says it was full of dry bones, and indeed they were very, very dry. And then the Lord spoke some instruction. He said, Son of man, can these bones live? Or he asked a question before he speaks instruction. Ezekiel Ezekiel answers, and he says, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And I just uh, entitled this very simply today, Can These Bones Live? Can These Bones Live? I think most of us have, especially in the adult class, I might get a different answer, you know, some blank stares out of the youth class or the children's class if I were to ask this question. But I think most of us today have lived enough life that if I were to ask this question most of you could think of a response or a situation or time in your life where you could say yes. And and the question I'm going to ask is simply this. Have you ever had something fall into your lap or into your life that 
seemed like it was well past its prime or maybe it was it was well well beyond uh, having any value to it. All of a sudden, though, something about it, it, it was restored, it was renewed, it was brought back. There was a sudden turn, and it, it was revived to its former days of glory. I, I, uh, my memory takes me back to just a few months ago when I was still working for FedEx, and they sent me way down here uh, into the Baldwin area, and I was helping another courier out so that he could get off early enough to make a doctor's appointment. And so one of the places that, that I went, that courier peeled off a bunch of his stops and handed them off to me. And, and I was asking him a few questions. And one of the places I hadn't been to in years and years, I said, do you still get into Baldwin Power Plant the same way you always have? Because I hadn't been in there in 20 some years. And he said, oh yeah, I just go up and go to the guard shack. And he said, there's an interesting guard that, that's there. He said, uh, he's got some wild stories. He, he said he's an older fella now, but he used to play in the NFL. And so uh, he said, you get him to talk, and he said he, he's rather entertaining. And so I had a little bit of time. Uh, typically, I don't take too much time, but I, I did have a little bit of time. And so I was just making small chat with the guard while he was checking me in so I could go on in and make my deliveries in the ball and power plant. And I said, are you the fella that, uh, that Paul was telling me about that, that used to play in the NFL? Well, he lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, his eyes got big, and I could tell that he wanted to talk about this. You know, he, he wanted to relive some of his glory days. And he began to talk about the people that he used to play with and, and, and the different ones and the years that he spent in the NFL. And it was rather interesting. It was a tall, kind of a stately-looking older man, but he said he got out of that went on to be very successful in the banking industry, and, and and then he continued to tell me his story about how his knees had gone bad from uh, the years of playing in the NFL and how it just about crippled him until he, he said, I finally went in, and he said, they, he said, I've got two fake knees. He said, you never know it by the way I'm walking. He said, but I've got two fake knees, and uh, the guy was probably 78, 79 years old, and he said, it is incredible. He said, it's a miracle what they were able to do. They took out the old knees and put some these fake knees in and put everything back together. And he said, watch this. And he turned around before I knew it. That, that old man was running down the road showing me, showing me just how great his new knees were. Like, hey, come back here. I got to make deliveries. And he wanted to prove to me that he had been renewed. Now, in his mind, I think he... He, you know, because he was doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was like, look at that old fella go. And, and I think in his mind, he was dodging, you know, some defensive lineman that was coming after him. He went back to his glory days. But but the reality of it was he wasn't going to dodge a Deion Sanders or, 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 or T.J. Watts of, of today's caliber. He was not going to do that. In his mind, he was. But the reality was he he was not quite back all the way to his glory days. I love the fact that uh, that old gentleman was able to get around the way he was. I mean, I'm able to move like that when I'm that age. I'm going to be thrilled to be able to get around like that. Maybe maybe, maybe that's been the case for some that are in here. You've had a, something that has changed your life. You know, uh, a doctor's uh, uh, brought you to a place where they could do some surgery on you that, that has brought you back to a, a great place to be in your life. You thought life was over. I know what that feels like to sit down and wonder, has my life changed for the, for the worse forever? Am I beyond repair this time? And, and, uh, and I know how good it feels to, to finally get back to the place where you feel 
100% again. That's a good feeling, to, to feel renewed. Maybe it's a little simpler than that. Maybe there's, I guarantee you we got some people in here that, that cannot look at a, a withering plant without feeling sorry for it and empathy and, and bringing that plant into your home and seeing if you can't doctor back to health. You probably have a 12-foot-tall a, a, a Deffenbachia plant someplace in, in your home, someplace that, that was just about dead, and somebody else had given up on it, but you nursed it back to life. Or, or maybe, maybe you're the, the person that can't look at a stray cat without feeding it some milk. And the next thing you know, you've added to your collection. Or a, or, or a dog that, that's about ready to be put down and your heart just breaks and you can't, you bring it out to the farm and, and it just is added to your collection. And that little, that little scrawny thing that looks like it's about ready to breathe its last breath, you look at that and you say, you know what, I'll do what I can to bring that thing back to life. And now it's a big fat cat that sits around on your sofa all day long and, and, uh, and you have nursed it back to health. I'm sure that there are some here because of your job that have actually seen people that's hearts have stopped beating, that taken their last breath, that you began to do compressions, some CPR, maybe the defibrillator. You've watched it be put to their chest and blah, and all of a sudden, back to life they come. That's, that's got to be an incredible, incredible feeling to know that you've been a part or at least witnessed seeing somebody that was gone, somebody that was flatlined, somebody that had coded be brought back to life. One of the most recent uh, instances I can think of was, was Brandon Pendergrass uh, that was sick uh, uh, not too long ago, 28 years old, <coughs> when COVID was, <clears throat> you know, really terrorizing most of, the, most of our older people. And all of a sudden you have a 28-year-old fighting for his life, and he coded, but they were able to bring him back, and now he's back home with his wife and his family, and he's back working with his church, he's back at his job, everything is back to normal. That's a beautiful thing when those types of restorations take place. But we all know that there's a point where plants, animals, people reach a place of no return. You know, I think about biblical miracles like that. I, 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 I've seen my own grandfather, Code. He was gone for eight or nine seconds. They were able to bring him back to life. And while he was, uh, while he was gone, uh, he had, he had a, an incredible um, vision that he saw of heaven. And I won't go into all that before I've told that story before. I'm not going to take the time to talk about it right now. But <clears throat> there was a beautiful vision that he saw of heaven, and then the Lord brought him back, and and so we were able to keep him for about another 20 years. But eventually, something took his life. We are made with expiration dates on us. Now, there are some things that in our medical uh, findings, there are some things that, that just through the, the course of, of life, there have been people that have been able to be brought back from the brink of death or even back over the, the line of death and brought back to live again. But but even my grandfather, after the Lord giving him that much more time, his body eventually wore out, and he was not able to be revived forever. None of us are. 
only so much that we can do. There's a possibly a short window in which we have a chance to help, a few minutes that maybe we can help somebody try to revive back to life. But, but I think we could all agree that in our findings today where Ezekiel finds himself in this valley of dry bones that he is way beyond the time frame of being able to see these bones revived. I don't know how long it takes for a body to decompose to this state, but it's had to, has to be a while. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a frustrating place to be when you feel at a loss as to what, if anything, you can do. I think especially for men, Brother Jones, I think it's, it's difficult for us to, to get ourselves into a situation where when we're asked, well, what are you going to do about it? I think most of us want to have some kind of an answer. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do A, B, and C, and I'm going to expect this result from that. But there are times in our life where we don't have an answer because there is no answer. There are situations that all of us will face one day, whether it be yesterday, today, or tomorrow. There will be situations where you will find yourself in a place where when you are asked the question, you simply have to say, I have no clue. I don't know what to do. That's a frustrating place to be. I think that there are people in here today that probably are in a similar circumstance. You're looking at where you're at, what you're facing, and you don't have the first clue what the answer is, or even if there is an answer, you just know that you're in a valley full of dry bones. Can these bones live? I don't know. The truth of the matter is, if you're expecting me to help these bones to live, I may fall short. I may not be able to have the answer that you're looking for. First off, I want to point out that Ezekiel didn't ask to be in the valley. The Bible says that the Lord put him in the valley. There are times when God will put you into a place that is uncomfortable, a place that you would rather not be, a place where you're surrounded by things that, that you don't want to be surrounded by and you're uncomfortable with and you wish there was a way out, but God has brought you there. But rest assured, if God has placed you in a valley, God has a purpose for you being in that valley. You're not there just because he wants to torment you or torture you. God has a purpose. Your footsteps are ordered by the Lord. And if God orders your footsteps into a valley, there is a purpose for you to be in that valley. Probably my first reaction would be, God, this is not fair. I didn't kill these people. I wasn't here when they died. I don't even know who they are. You're bringing me out here to this valley full of dry bones, and you're asking me, can these bones live? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'll tell you something that the Lord's 
kind of dropped into my heart a few months ago. He told me, I don't always tell you the reasons why I'm teaching you. What well, one of us hasn't been sitting in a class back in grade school and the teacher's teaching you all these things, and you're like, yeah, how many times am I going to use this when I get out of high school? Only to find out that many of those things do, in fact, come in very handy once you get out of high school. It's important, whether you understand why you need to learn how to read or not, that you learn how to read. To add and subtract, all those things, those are important things that help you get through life, the simple things of life. But as a child, when we're, when we're just wanting to go outside and play and our, our, our mental capacity is not mature yet, oftentimes we look at things that we're being taught and say, what's the value in this? Why am I having to deal with this? Why am I having to put time and effort into this? I'd rather just do what I want to do but there is value in learning the lesson even when you don't understand why you have to learn it. God doesn't have to explain why he's put you in a valley with dry bones. It's simply for you to trust that God has a purpose for why he's brought you there. God brings Ezekiel to an impossible place, a place nobody wants to be. I don't know where he took him from, but it had to be better than where he took him to. He puts him into an impossible place with an impossible situation, and he asks him an impossible question. Can these bones live? which brings Ezekiel to a place in his life where he's forced to deal with the fact that he is limited. He's limited, that he doesn't know all the answers, that he can't fix everything that's wrong around him. Did you know, did you know that there are things that are beyond your control to fix? Did you know that there are circumstances where you might not have an answer? Because sometimes I don't like to admit that to myself. I don't like to say, I'm too dumb to figure this out. I don't like to say, I don't know what to do. I like to say, no, this is how we're going to handle it, Brother Reese. This is what we're going to do. Here's the way that we fix this. No, we may not get it fixed tonight or tomorrow, but this gets us closer to having this thing fixed. But the reality of it is, is we do not always have an answer when God says, can these bones live? Basically, he was looking at Ezekiel and saying, can you fix this on your own? Do you have the answer for this situation? And Ezekiel's brought up short. He says, no, God, I don't, which was the first step towards heading him in the right direction. Sometimes the sooner that we figure out that we don't have the answer, the closer we are to getting the solution. Sometimes God, I think, has a miracle waiting for us, but he's standing back with his arms folded and shaking his head saying, I just need them to try to quit figuring this out on their own. They're trying to, they're trying to 
give themselves their own man-made miracle. And that's what we like to do because we don't like to be dependent upon anybody else. We like to fix things ourselves. I'll be the first to tell you that when I try to fix things myself, a lot of times I create more problems than what I had if I would have just taken it to the mechanic or taken it to the professional. I've got nicks all over my hands here. I'm scarred up here lately. I think my skin is getting a little bit thinner than it used to be. I, I'm not as young and tough as I used to be, but I, I, you know, I can't stand to pay somebody to do something that, that, that I can do myself. That's been a, that's been a little bit of frustration for my, my dear wife who wanted our basement done and, and she's got this uh, retirement party for our family that's coming over and, and she likes that to, wants that to be done. And she's like, that's just hired out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's hired out. That, that costs money. But we need it to be fixed. I'm like, I can fix it. I can do this. So what if the stairs are a little bit crooked and the and the guard railing's shaky? I mean, told somebody at the store the other day. He's like, "Yeah, I don't know how how safe that would be." I said, "Well, I said uh, that's how we weed out the the weak among us." I said, "You got to be smart to you got to be smart to live in my house, or if you don't survive, you don't survive." We. Ezekiel had a chance to answer the Lord, and he does. Can these bones live? Ezekiel could have said, no way. God, <laughs> look at them. Look at them. They didn't just die yesterday. It's not like I can go over and give them some CPR. There's no defibrillator in this day and age. I, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, they're well beyond. The, the skin is gone. The muscle tissue is gone. The eye sockets are empty. It ain't nothing but a bunch of bones, and it's so piled up that I don't even know which bone goes with which anymore. It's a mess. Not even God himself could fix this. And that's the problem. Sometimes we get to the place where we think God himself can't restore this. God himself cannot fix this, when that is entirely the wrong way to think. Jerry's daughter was brought back to life, but, you know, she had just been dead for maybe an hour or two, a few. Even Lazarus, you know, they got a little upset with Jesus because he had known for a while, but, but he didn't get there in time, and now three days have gone by, and he's like, take me to the tomb. And they're like, hey, if we roll that stone away, Everybody's going to have clothespins on their nose. It's going to smell bad. He is, he's already decomposing. You're too late. He says, go ahead and take me anyway. And they got to see a, a, a miracle of a man that had been in the tomb dead for three days come back to life when Jesus said Lazarus come forth. But, but this is way beyond that. These bodies have decomposed to the point where there is nothing left but bone. And these bones are dry bones.
This has been a hopeless situation for a long time now. That, let that sink into your, your heart for a moment. Because there's some of us in this place that have already given up. We've stopped praying because we've prayed for, for, for months or, or years or maybe even decades. But what we've been looking at, the dry bones that we've been praying for, they've been dead for so long now that we don't think that there's a chance that there's any hope for them to come back to life. We've quit praying for the ones that, that are so far gone, so far out there, and so far dried out, spiritually speaking, that, that it's beyond our comprehension how God could ever bring them back. I'm telling you today, that's a mistake. No one held out hope for these bones. Nobody was trying to revive this valley of dry bones. So here's my point. We like to categorize according to how extreme we see the situation as being. Oh, well, you know, this is the flu, and so, or this is that, and so we can pray for this, and I can expect the Lord to, to touch this miracle. This is a safe one because more than likely if we pray for them, they're going to recover, and then we can all feel good about, hey, we've prayed for them, but, but when you got somebody that's just drawn their last breath or somebody that you pulled up on, on an accident, it's quite a different situation then. It's quite a little bit different type of faith that you have to have to go lay your hands upon somebody that has drawn their last breath and began to pray and ask God to revive them. My wife showed me a video of a mother that was holding her dead child, her dead newborn baby, and she began to pray and she began to cry and my heart began to fill up and my eyes began to fill up as I watched that video the other day, the desperation of this mother that did not want to let her child go. And she began to pray over that child and call upon the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, that baby sucked in the breath of life and came to life and you watched it be revived right there in the arms of that loving mother. We like to say God can work it out as long as it's not too far gone. As long as it's not too hopeless, as, as long as not too much time has passed. <coughs> you see, because I've prayed before and nothing happened. I've fasted and nothing happened. I've asked God to touch that child and nothing happened. As a matter of fact, it seems like they're drier now than they've ever been. They're in a deep valley, deeper than they've ever been in that valley. And now I just look at it as being so far gone that God himself cannot even restore. Long they're not too deteriorated. But Ezekiel's smart enough to answer with wisdom when he says, Lord, you know. Can these bones live? He doesn't try to be intellectual. He doesn't try to have the answer. He simply looks at God and says, I have no clue, but, but you know. You know whether they can or not. And there is a lesson right there. You know what? When we depend upon our own uh, intellect and we depend upon our, our own ability, we fall so short. There's so many things that we can't handle. 
so many things that we can't fix, so many things that are left undone if we try to put our hand to them, but we need to still have the faith that says, hey, this ain't over until God says it's over. It's not dead until God says that it's dead. And if God doesn't say it's dead, and he's still answering the question, can there still be life here? Then the answer is yes, there can, because God knows. He wouldn't answer, ask the question if he didn't know the answer. Ezekiel says, I can't fix it, but you can. I'm limited here, God, but you're not. Who in your life right now is beyond your grasp of fixing their situation? Who is it that you can think of? I know that somebody's coming to mind right now where you've prayed, but you've not seen the answer you've chosen. The answer you prayed for. Well, here's what God says. He says, prophesy to these bones. I want you to speak to the bones, Ezekiel. I want you to preach. I'm going to tell you what to say. I want you to prophesy to these bones, and something's going to happen when you do. Now, I've preached in some dead places before, but I think Ezekiel's got us all beat. I've preached in some places where you don't get any amens, no hand claps, there ain't nothing going on, it's just dead silence, but I've never preached to a valley of dry bones before. A few that have been close, but not entirely. See Ezekiel looking at the Lord like, seriously? You know, sometimes, why is it that God asks us to do some things that just seem ridiculous sometimes? I want you to go speak to that person. God, I don't know that person. I don't know who they are. You will if you just do what I'm telling you to do. I want you to pray for that person. God, I've already prayed for them and nothing happened. Well, maybe that's because you have not prayed when I've asked you to pray. He looks at Ezekiel and says, I want you to preach to this valley of dry bones. I want you to begin to prophesy to them. Seems to be a ridiculous thing to ask Ezekiel to do. If I was Ezekiel, I would have said, now, God, I, I, you know, I'm willing to do whatever you want to do, but I am totally okay with you standing here and watching you do your thing. Isn't that what we'd like to do sometimes? I'm just going to step back. I'm tired of carrying this load. I I don't want to get overly involved. I've gotten involved before, and I've been disappointed. I've prayed before, and nothing's happened. I've fasted before and and been disappointed. I've done everything that I know to do. God, if you want to do anything with this situation, you go right ahead. I'm going to stand back and just watch you do your thing, and I promise you I'll be impressed. But that's not the way that God works. He uses people to get his job done. He uses preachers. He uses pastors. He uses teachers. He used saints of God with your witness to step down into a mess of dry, dead bones and preach his word to them because there's something powerful about the word. I'll stand here and be impressed if God said preach. I want you involved. Ask the question, why? why? Why did he do that? And, and I, the only thing that I could come up with was 
you know, there are some places and some people that are so spiritually dry and dead. that they have no faith for themselves. God needed a man to step up with the power of his faith-charged words to begin the process before restoration could begin. I fully believe that if Ezekiel had refused to do what God had asked, as silly as he may have felt standing there preaching to a valley of dry bone dead people that were gone a long time ago. If he would have refused to do that, God would have not followed through with the miracle that took place. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. The words that come out of our mouth direct us one way or another. And that's why it's, it's more than just a motivational thing or the power of positive thinking. There is something to be said about how you speak. If we speak in faith, even though we may not see the results of our words in the moment or in the time frame that we want them to, to, to be revealed in, we are still speaking powerful words of faith but I've seen too many Christians give up way too soon. I've seen too many Christians just throw in the towel and say, you know what, I don't think they'll ever come to God. Well, guess what, honey? If you're going to talk in those negative kinds of words, don't be surprised when exactly what you are prophesying comes to pass because prophecy is not always a positive thing. You can prophesy some things, some negative things. So if we're going to err, why don't we err on the side of faith? If we're going to step out of our comfort zone and get involved, why don't we just have the faith to step up and say, you know what, I believe that nothing is impossible with God. I still believe that miracles can take place. I still believe that people can find healing and power and restoration. I don't care how far gone they look. I don't care how dead and dry they may seem. I still believe that God can restore and revive, no matter how far gone they seem. power in what comes out of your mouth. Somebody needs to speak faith to your dry bones. Somebody needs to start speaking faith to your impossible situation. Somebody needs to speak faith to the circumstance that seems too far gone because the answer to the question of can these bones live is yes. If God says they can live, they can live. God's asking the question. The answer is yes. Ezekiel 37.7 says, so I prophesied. Now, this is the, this is, he's, he's following, he, he's doing, he's, he, he, he's relaying the story here of how he followed the command of God. He said, preach, and so Ezekiel said, that's what I did. So I prophesied. As I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and a suddenly and suddenly a rattling, and the and the bones came together, bone to bone. Now imagine what he's witnessing here. 
this valley full of dry bones scattered here and there. Maybe this is where the song originated, the head bone connected to the neck bone. Maybe that's where this all began. I'm not quite positive. I don't know if Ezekiel was a writer of that or not, but he was witnessing it. Think about the miraculous, and God, God is a God of order. I mean, he didn't take little uh, four-foot-eight Johnny over there and, and connect uh, one of his shoulder bones and his arm bones to uh, Big Jim over here who's seven-foot-two. I mean, we didn't have a bunch of, uh, everything connected to where it was supposed to go. Not just the bone-to-bone, but individuals came back together again. And he's hearing the sound of this, the rattling of the dry, dead bones. He said, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. The skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Muscle muscle tissue developed. Skin developed right before his eyes. Now it's not just a valley of dead, dry bones. He said, now I got a a valley full of corpses. I can see what they look like. I can I can see the the pallor of their skin. I can see how tall they are, but but there was still no life in them. So God said, prophesy again. I'm reading this all, I'm thinking. It really spoke to me because there have been times when I, I'll be honest with you, I've gotten up and preached. <clears throat> and I, I felt the power of God so strong, and I thought, this is it. This is the, mo- this is the one. This is the message that's going to blow the doors off. This is the one that the people that are backslidden are going to fall upon their face, and, and, and the only thing that fell upon his face seemed like to me was the message. In times when I've left thinking that I had the message for that moment that it was the one that was going to bring the person back that, that I was trying to reach or that God was trying to reach. But you know what? It doesn't always go that way. Times when I've walked away feeling like a failure. God, did I miss it? Did they miss it? I know you didn't miss it, so I don't know what's going on here. You know the answer I get back? Preach again. Preach again. Get back up there and preach again. You know, it's a disheartening thing to be a pastor and not see any results. It's a disappointing thing for a a preacher to get up and preach a message that God has just put in his heart and it's burning and you feel like at the end of it that the only one that it spoke to was you. It's like, what happened? Why isn't this being effective? It would be easy to just walk away and go punch a time clock someplace and pull a little money in and go on with my life and not have any responsibilities. But God just won't let that happen. He simply looks at me and he says, get up and preach it again. Maybe it didn't happen all the way this time, but there was something that happened. There was some rattling that was taking place. There were some bones that was being reconnected. 
Maybe they're not life yet. Maybe it's not exactly everything you want it to be. But don't give up. Keep prophesying. Sometimes it takes more than one message to get the job done. Preachers, teachers, don't quit just because you don't see what you want to see after a few lessons, after a few messages. Don't get frustrated because you see some improvement, but things seem to stall before the miracle is complete. Well, I guess that's as far as they're going to come. You know, they, they, they did this and they did that and they've gotten this far, but then they've stalled and they, they've not done anything else since then. They've, they, they've not grasped holiness. They've not grasped, they've not gotten the Holy Ghost yet and they don't even seem like they're interested in getting it anymore and they're still coming, but, but this is, I guess we just have to settle with this being the way that it is. No, the Bible, the Lord says, get up and preach again. Preach again. Preach with conviction. Don't give up. Child of God, don't give up because that family member isn't responding the way that you want them to respond. Just keep speaking faith. Don't get angry with them. Don't get negative with them. Don't give up on them. You keep being sweet. You keep praying for them. You keep calling their name out to God. You don't know what's going on in the background, in the far side of their heart, that God isn't moving upon them, that God isn't reconnecting some things and putting some things back together. They might not be full to life again, but yet they are on their way. Our music come today. How many times do we pray for a miracle? We don't get what we want. It doesn't always happen. So do we stop preaching that miracles take place? I say no, never. We keep preaching, believing. Just because it didn't happen last Sunday doesn't mean it can't happen this Sunday. Just because it doesn't happen today doesn't mean that if we just stay in the fight that it might not happen tomorrow. Stand with me today. (coughs) I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me if you would. I want you to just allow the Lord to just allow someone in your life to settle in your mind. It might be a spouse or a child or a parent, a co-worker, aunt and uncle, whoever it is that you've tried to cast off the burden, but the Lord just keeps bringing you back to that valley of dry bones. You've tried to quit caring because you've prayed and it seems like nothing has happened. You spoke to them, you've loved them, and you've received nothing back but dry bones. You've been angry, you've been frustrated. You've been hurt, maybe even done wrong by this person. But for some reason, you just can't shake them out of your spirit. 
God keep bringing you back to that place. I believe the Lord wants to ask you the question today. Do you believe that these bones can live? Or have you, have you been disappointed so many times that you've quit believing in the power of your prayer? Have you quit believing that there's a possibility that that person could find their way back to a place of grace? I just feel like the Lord wants us to just take a few moments here, lift our voice and pray for whoever it is that's on our mind right now. I know the Lord has planted three people on my heart today. People that I've been angry and frustrated with and I've tried to just, tried to give up, but I just keep coming back. Just can't seem to get out of that, that place, that valley. The Lord just won't let me walk I'm going to pray for them, and I want you to pray for the one that is on your heart today. And I don't want you to pray some weak, anemic prayer that, God, Lord, whatever your will is, God, whatever you choose to do, I don't want us to pray like that. I want us to pray with some fervency and some power. And I want you to speak words of faith, and I want you to walk in that faith. Now, what, it may not all happen overnight, but you're on your way to seeing a miracle. You're on your way to watching God provide a miracle because there are backsliders on their way back to the kingdom all over this world. All over this world, there's going to be a revival of backsliders that are coming back. And I want you and me to be a part of that experience today. Would you lift your voice with me right now? Begin to call upon the name of Jesus on their behalf. Would you begin to prophesy and speak words of faith right now over that individual or those people that the Lord has placed upon your heart? Would you just maybe call out their name if it's appropriate? Lord, in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.